0: callum lyle the founder of add some zest after eight years of working for somebody else becoming an md at just 24 years old and successfully scaling the business to 20 plus people in october 2022 he decided to launch his very own recruitment business In the first year of trading, they did just over 500K's worth of revenue. They achieved a plus 89 MPS score, 100% fill rate, and grew the team to five. So how did he do it? This is what you're going to learn in this week's episode. The power of productizing your service and how to do it. How he achieved a 100% fill rate. Why Callum says no to working with more clients and he does say no. Yes. Why is Callum so passionate about measuring customer experience and why you should be too? And so much more. Let's get into this week's episode. Callum, welcome to the podcast.
1: Good to be here. Good to be here. Good to be be back.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, we last sat down three years ago.
1: Was it three years? Yeah, three years. I was
0: listening back to
1: it. <laughs> I should have listened before, <laughs> before coming back on, but no, it's, uh, I'm, I'm back with far less hair than I had last time. That's, that's all I know.
0: Well, it's was thinking, obviously, we've known each other for a little while now, yeah, to yeah. be fair. Yeah. So we're here today to talk about this entrepreneurial journey that you've yeah. started, which is your own recruitment business called Add Some Zest. Yep. Yeah. And when we last sat down, you was a young director of a business that you helped scale to like 20 plus people. Yeah. And you've now kickstarted this this business journey. So in this conversation, I'm really excited to break down these first 12, 13 months because you, you've hit that first year milestone. Yeah. 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 You often hear first year in recruitment is hard. Starting your own recruitment business first year is, is also really hard. So couple of things, obviously, when we prepared for this, a couple of things, I think, just to give people some immediate context. So before you started your own recruitment business, I think we put down here, you had, like, 10 years of experience.
1: Yeah, just, just shy of 10 years, so probably, like, nine years yeah. of experience. Seven of that was leadership and not mm. building at all. Yeah,
0: because when we sat down, I think I remember you saying, you was, like, or you became director like, 24, or you was in a quite senior position yeah. quite young, right?
1: Yeah, and well, it was an odd journey. So, like, yeah. so like now <laughs> going back to... Doing something from the ground up yeah. is something I've never done before.
0: So. so a couple of things I know you're proud of, but in this year, like we're going to talk a lot about this, but you finished with a plus 89 MPS score. We're going to talk a lot about that <laughs> customer experience. I know that's a huge passion of yours. Yeah, You're able to be profitable month for month, which yeah. is something to be really proud of. I think you just broke the 500k revenue mark for the first year. We're going to talk about this, but... In the first five weeks, you were able to retain your first three customers. Yep. That's definitely something to be proud of. Because I know when we were chatting, you was like, I'm going to get back on the tools and I haven't properly been on the tools yeah, for a no, while. Uh, so I think that's absolutely awesome. You're now, so how many of you are there now in the so team? There's,
1: there's five of us now. Five?
0: So, yeah. So first year, I think, kudos, sir.
1: Yeah, no, no, sir. And, and I wasn't expecting, if I'm honest, mm. When I launched the business in October and left the previous business in July for the market to kind of completely, <laughs> completely <laughs> crash. So I think it's been the best 12 months to kick things off Mm. and uh, I am really pleased with where we've got to and the team we've managed to put together.
0: So just give us a bit of context on so all of the type of recruitment that you do is has been perm this year right? So
1: all perm um, 90% is UK Mm a bit across EMEA but everything kind of commercial within tech so sales marketing operations within any sort of technology business mainly software.
0: So let's just start with just have a bit of a reflection point on we've hit the 12 month mark first year milestone like what I know you've done a couple of posts on this, but if I was to say to you, what was your biggest lesson from that first year? What, what would you say? Let's just start there.
1: It's really biggest lesson. It's a really good question. But there's, there's so many lessons that I've learned. Mm. It being completely my own business. Um, I think in some ways it's been harder than I imagined, especially considering the the market. But I think the biggest lesson that I've learned this year, but throughout every element of my recruitment experience is... If you have the right team and you put Mm. the right people together and you collaborate efficiently and effectively, anything is possible. Like that is the most important thing within Mm. recruitment to me. People talk about it being your own business within a business and it being so quite like a selfish and standalone job. But I don't necessarily agree with that. I think Mm. the right people in the right places, the right collaboration and and anything is possible. So that's kind of been my biggest Mm. Or it's just backed up that belief this year, but it's certainly harder than I think I thought it would be in some senses.
0: (laughs) And I feel like when you go out on your own, the relationships and the people that you believe you have, I guess, yeah, good relationships with, I feel like is really shown because I've seen you post multiple times just being really grateful for all the people that have helped you along the way. And I think that's always something interesting you experience is when you go out on your own, you really do see a lot of people come out of the woodworks or people that... You might have built relationships with, but you're really not sure exactly you know how strong a relationship is. But uh, it sounds like you've had a lot of people just help you on this journey as well, which I'm sure have been so many relationships you've built over time, which is quite yeah. cool to experience as well.
1: Well, I, I have I stupidly didn't listen to the episode that we did however many <laughs> years ago, but I, I remember seeing the caption of that not too long ago, and mm. it was focus on relationships over money. Mm. And uh, I've always had that philosophy. I've never burnt a bridge with anyone, and whether it's an internal stakeholder, so an employee, whether it's a customer, whether it's someone that we can't do business with, for whatever reason, just ne- never burn a bridge and you'd be surprised how many people will help and mm. how many people will be there to support. And and we all had non-competes, we all had covenants, mm. starting a, an ethical recruitment business. You don't want to kind of, you want to tread on the, the right side of all of that, so... Mm. It's it's difficult generating a hundred percent new business, but mm. I, I tell you, if you have the right people in the right places and you do right by people, it's yeah, it's, it's hard. But it's, it's so many joyous kind of moments mm. and experiences on the way where people have kind of given you a leg up and tried to help.
0: Mm. I think one of the things that I saw you write about, which I really resonated with, and it's something I've been thinking about recently, is. I think you, it was one it was one of your posts around listing some of the, it was like 12 months from leaving my uh, high-paid job to go out on your own. One of the bullet points you put on there was the growth opportunity that you get by starting your own business. and And that's something that really resonated with me, which I think sometimes people maybe underestimate or don't think about that by going on this entrepreneurial journey, the personal development and the self-development like journey you have to go on it sort of accelerates that doesn't it like De- you being definitely. on your own it really just accelerates that self-development because yeah. you have to evolve you have to grow yeah and you're in so many situations which you're in for the first time that you have to learn so if you know you're someone that really wants to yeah do more for yourself maximize your own potential going on this entrepreneurial journey can be a real catalyst for that it's not oh, easy absolutely. but absolutely,
1: yeah, yeah. There's, mm. there's so many i remember i don't know if i mentioned it on our last episode but one of the first things i ever did in the first kind of year and a half that i was billing before i kind of went into this odd early position mm. of of management and leading a team was trying and, and it's a weird thing to say try and do five things a day mm. ideally before lunchtime that make me anxious like mm. those those hard decisions those really whether it's giving the feedback you don't really want to mm. give whether it's knocking on someone's door, a new business opportunity, wh- whatever that looks mm. like. And I think in, in a funny way, like starting your own business forces you to make all these really <laughs> yeah. hard decisions. And mm. there's, no, there's no other way. It's, it's own Before, I had a team of 25 mm. people that I could lean on, collaborate with, bash heads together with. For the first three months, it was only me mm. and then there was only three of us. So kind of going from not billing for, for seven years <laughs> back to that being the only way to survive, but also the, the, so many, many opportunities to kind of thrive in those decisions and in those experiences. Mm. It's always looking for the, the hard things that you can do. And, mm. and again, there'll be, there'll be so many joyous moments out of that.
0: We're talking a bit about here looking back. So I want to go into how you've built this business over the last 12 months. But just to remind you, I know you didn't listen, listen to it. Maybe I should have to listened to it. But <laughs> the only thing I want to bring up, I thought I'm going to put you on the spot here. But yeah. I thought, let me just bring it up and, and see if you've achieved any of these things. So you said when we were talking three years ago, you were just talking about the importance of having a why. So that still rings true today and something you've always been an advocate for in terms of understanding your employees why so they have a real driver and you said it when we sat down your why was to do do you remember what it was to do a ted talk to to, to do a ted talk
1: two people a millionaires overnight
0: have you gotten with that not yet <laughs> <laughs> No, <Nice. laughs> it's happening yeah no, it's uh, yeah, yeah, so that's
1: the f- first thing on my CV when I've went into my first job do it, do a TED Talk <laughs> and make two people millionaires overnight the only thing I think that's changed in that I want to make more people millionaires overnight yeah. but I'm probably less focused in making myself money mm. uh, the, the evolution from kind of I don't know going into recruit I, I'm so 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 lucky mm. for what recruitment's given me mm. it, it kind of I've earned more money than I ever thought I would earn mm. I've Wow, I've, I've got everything that you think you want. Yeah. And and that's kind of the decision that I found myself in, in starting Zest. Mm. I was earning an incredibly good salary, had mm. a team of people who trusted me implicitly, were incredibly bought into kind of the vision and, and what we wanted to do. And, and I had everything, I bought, mm. bought a house, nice car, all, all these lovely things. But There was something missing and I think turning 30 was quite like a pivotal moment and I just thought I could keep going I could earn a very good amount of money I could live a lovely life but I wouldn't make the impact on the world that I wanted to make Mm. it wasn't purposeful enough it wasn't impactful enough and that's what really sort of started this s journey and if anything I'm a recruiter I've been ridiculously fortunate and I'm a ridiculously fortunate position Mm. to say this but kind of the more money i earn mm. the less happy i was and <laughs> the goal is still to to scale zest mm. but if someone walked through this door and offered me 50 million pounds for zest right now i wouldn't take it mm. and it wouldn't it wouldn't scratch the sides um, mm. i genuinely i genuinely believe that whereas actually when i sat with you before mm. i don't think i would have said that so it's like it's maybe a slightly different approach but the same the same principles the there. same principles definitely still sing true
0: so what i really enjoyed learning about the way that you've approached your business is a lot of people I sit down with a lot of recruitment founders and oftentimes what you'll hear is they they want to do things differently but I think there's the best way to really showcase you're doing things differently is by actually showing it with actions right so this is some of the things that I really want to break down with you which I think you've done a really good job of of actually being different and enabling you to to gain good traction in, in the first year particularly considering like you said you haven't been on the tool selling for for a good amount of time so of course why wouldn't you feel a bit daunted by that, like going on the tools, am I going to be able to do it still these things. So I want us to come on to, we're going to talk about customer experience and why that's been, I feel like at the the center of how you've approached things. But what I think you've done a really good job of, which I want us to break down is really you've productized your services, I feel like, right? And I think that's something that more and more recruitment companies, recruiters should should be doing. So I think some of the, the highlights here, and we'll, we'll break this down, but... I think in the first year, correct me if any of this is wrong, by the way, I think you said 23 out of the 25 customers that you were in the first year all worked in a retained basis. Yep. So that's fundamental. And then because of that, that's enabled you to reinvest in the business, your job to fill ratio and your fill rates are much higher. And I think what would be really cool is just to break down how you've approached that service. Because I think it'd be really useful for people and it also showcases how you're, what you're doing is different. So do you mind if we break that down a bit, right? In terms no, of the of course, actual yeah, service. Yeah, no, yeah. So what you shared with me then is... So how did you initially frame this up was it did you call it a retainer when you start to speak to customers like so how did so you so map this out It's
1: an interesting one. We talk about productizing our mm. services. If I'm honest, mm. the first year we only really have one service okay. and it's retained. And I will just say we don't do anything else. Partly because we're incredibly fortunate and the the, the goal is still to sort of carry on on this journey mm. but to only have experienced consultants. Mm. I think one of my bugbears, potentially around kind of customer experience, mm. is a lot of recruitment agencies have some really like just experienced, successful, credible, charismatic directors who mm. go out and win, retain business and then might pass it to a graduate who's only six months into mm. the job to fill. And actually that's nothing to do with, the that's like, really unfair on the graduate, but mm. the customer experience for that customer won't be great. So I, I kind of just said, we're only going to work retained Mm -hmm. work we don't we don't even call it retained it's just it's just our model and what we do um
0: this is how zest works that's just how
1: zest works and if you can do it great if you can't that's that's absolutely fine Mm. and i'm i'm really hope there'll be an opportunity for us to work together in the future but for the moment Mm. because because it's kind of like i feel like most recruitment agencies will say they do something and then when someone says no we can't can't do that they'll change it it's like being working Mm. in louis vuitton someone Mm. comes in and asks for a bag and they ask for five, I don't know how much Lufthansa mm. bag is, 1,000 <laughs> thousand, thousand, thousand pounds, and they say, I don't have a 1,000 pounds. And they're like, okay, wait, well, 100. That never happens. Like, mm. like, <laughs> if you're proud about your service, if you're proud about mm. what you offer, we charge We charge what we charge. Did you have
0: to say no to a lot of them? We, we
1: say no still to far more businesses than we say yes to. Really? And it's a hard thing to do, but it's. Uh, I think it's a really powerful thing to do. And you'd be surprised when you say no, how many people
0: How want, many, want to work with you? Just more? curious, bit ball in here. But I, I really I really respect that. And then if that shows in your customer experience, the roles that you win, like the fill ratios, then that means your team are gonna be paid more often, like you can predict like the future a lot more, you're gonna have more consistent performances. How many clients do you reckon you say no to to get one Yeah, it's about uh, one in five the really that's so, interesting. so
1: so we will out of those 25 customers we will probably have spoken to maybe just over 100 i mm. think and we've only worked with 20 and you
0: said this is how we work and they said look callum could look we don't really work we haven't worked this way with other companies can you work this way
1: the two clients that we that we worked out. so those 20 mm. 25 customers 23 were saying the two clients that we worked with outside of that mm. agreement one of which spent over six figures with us mm. and they just couldn't, they, they couldn't get it signed off, mm. but they absolutely it was someone that I knew through someone. Mm. I could qualify out really thoroughly and had a really, really good assurance mm. that it was a hundred percent exclusive and we were going to fill, fill the role and we continued to mm-hmm. go on to fill over 10 business development directors for that business. But everyone else just say, if, if you can't do it that's, that's absolutely fine. But mm. that, that this is the way that we work and we can prove if you do sort of move forward or you can get the sign off and you can try something different, mm. that you can trust us because we've got a plus 89 MPS score. We've got every customer that we've worked with, we filled their role, mm-hmm. 100% fill rate. And every customer that we've worked with have given us a positive review. Mm. So, it's, it's, <laughs> again, it's it's a joyous position to be in. But you don't need a huge amount of customers in recruitment. You just mm. need customers that want to go on the same journey as as you do and that feel they they want a true partner and that, mm. that's what we are if you want a contingent recruiter there are so many other options and I'm sure so many great options mm. that they can go to but mm. that's just not us
0: I feel like you were just explaining it there but I think it'd be helpful for people you said at the beginning of this you don't like to burn bridges what's Callum's for and advice on saying no to business without burning a bridge? What does that sound like? You were talking about it there, but I think that's interesting for people because I think people underestimate how much power there is in saying no. But maybe sometimes people, they don't want to feel like the client, they put the client on a the pedestal, they don't want them to feel rejected. But how do you say no without burning a bridge? We'll get back to the episode in just one minute, but today I wanted to tell you about our partners, Sourcewell the industry leading business development and headhunting platform. I'm a Sourcewell user myself, and it's been an absolute game changer when it comes to crafting personalized outreach. It's not only quick and easy, but you can tap into custom variables, automate follow-ups, and use multiple channels like the phone, LinkedIn, email, and more to accelerate results. Users report an average increase of 56% in qualified response rates, and when you're using it, it's easy to see why. AI-powered tools like Content Coach and Well GPT improve your chances of not ending up in spam, something that's become increasingly challenging with Google's recent deliverability changes. It also tracks all of your activity into your CRM, keeps your data clean, and lets you know who you need to reach out to and when, so you can spend more time on what you're good at. Recruiting not admin. So if you're serious about being the best at what you do, join me and thousands of recruiters who have chosen Sourcewell to revolutionize their outreach approach. Book a demo with Sourcewell and mention the Recruitment Mentors podcast to enjoy an extra 50 phone and 50 email credits per user. And this exclusive offer will save you circa 500 pounds and more, and it's only available until March the 31st. So you can click the link in the episode description or you can head to sourcewell.com forward slash demo.
1: You can still add a huge amount of value to a relationship. There's a a whole host of and if you say no, Mm. you've got more time. So (laughs) what most recruiters will do Mm. is out of those 100 and say five companies and then they have 25 spending customers. Imagine how much time and energy goes into working those 80 roles Mm. that they're probably going to fill 20% of contingently. Mm. So the amount of time that you have, I go for roughly three coffees a day, I'll meet so many people, Mm. I'll give a ridiculous amount of value or or try and help people wherever Mm. I possibly can. I'll try and offer free intros and and help anyone that I can, but am I going to put the time and resource into a search? Unless they pay me up front or Mm. pay us up front, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. And exactly the same with our team. So we're a service first business. So there's of course ways that you can politely, and my background is hospitality, and we can go into that in (laughs) a bit more detail, but you can politely... Say it's just not right. Mm. It's, 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 it's the Louis Vuitton example. Mm. If someone can afford it, there's, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong. There's plenty more bags that they can go and buy. Mm. But it's just not right at the moment. Mm. But we really hope that you come back back and one day buy a Louis Vuitton yeah. bag. Does that so, happen often? Or? Yeah, it happens. It does does happen quite you often. You no people to. people need to experience a pain. Like yeah. our vision is to radically change the perception mm. of how our recruitment agency serves its people, customers, and communities. And. Unless, people have, unless their perception is bad or, mm. or they've had a, a crap experience with a recruiter, which most people have, or a bad hiring experience or someone who's joined and then left early on, there's there might not be enough of a pain for them to mm. trust us enough to pay us a third up front. And mm. I'm very conscious as well with our fees. Our mm. average fee is uh, over 12 grand. Mm. To pay 4K mm. to someone that you don't know from Adam mm. is a big decision. So... Mm. Again, it's, it's making sure that we're very clear with what we do, mm. very clear with the value it brings. And if someone can do use us today, great. If they can't, kill them with kindness, mm. make sure you're adding value, make sure that you're you're continually checking in and trying to provide as much value as you can, so that when when they have enough pain or when they they, they want to use us, we're the first people they think of.
0: yeah, and I want to go into what this service looks like, but I think people might be thinking it because of what you mentioned earlier, starting on this journey. you said you have all this evidence to point out to say, look, this is how we work, this is how it's worked for those companies. What did you have to point out when you first started? Cause that can often be a bit of a so block of people it's a
1: really good question back background mm. reputation and people like referrals building relationships with people mm. And people think building a relationship has to do with your CEO, Mm. senior sales director or whatever, build relationships with everyone, just Mm. be a nice person, just try and add value. And and I'll say add add some zest to Mm. every interaction. And that's what I'm constantly trying to do, Mm. whether it's buying a coffee, whether it's speaking to a candidate, Mm. of course, exactly the same philosophy, a recruiter can't help every candidate Mm. find a job. But they can help every candidate, so mm. they can add value to that interaction. Can I help with your CV? Can no. I oh, actually have you thought about this avenue? Have you thought about that? You're still spending the same time with that person, but instead of being that boring person who takes a list of questions and does mm. the qualification, just add value. Add mm. value to the conversation. And the first, the first three customers. Mm. actually, I, I've never thought about this. <laughs> were candidates who I will have spoken to when I first started. Mm. And I've just kept a relationship, Fair. and actually, LinkedIn is a great tool to do that. And I know you're a big advocate mm. for the kind of personal brand, but mm. people they feel they feel like they know you because I, even if I haven't spoken to them, popped up in their LinkedIn inbox, mm. given them a call, they feel like they know you. So you.
0: It sounds like you leveraged your track record of just the journey you've been on, the experience you had, and was you upfront and honest of like, was they aware that they're probably going to be the first couple of clients that you're working with?
1: Yeah, and I and I, I also I don't know you you have a much better lens of this than I will. There's a funny thing in recruitment where people try and be a bigger business
0: than, than they yeah, are. They try be perceived. Yeah. yeah.
1: Where we're this huge business. Mm. What's the advantage of that? Like, mm. I, I I don't understand. Like, well, being I think a-
0: people are worried about what other people, like, how are they going to be perceived? Which is why I'm asking you because i yeah, no, so, just so, curious so really at the start question. of that journey but it just sounds like you as honest you obviously a lot of people that start their own business oftentimes they do have a track record so you pointed at that and then you got those searches underway you obviously did everything that you can to feel them deliver a good service and then you have evidence to point at. yeah
1: recruitment is all about time and resource and mm. if you put enough time and resource and you're you're skilled enough and mm. there's, there's still capability there but i was always confident there's always that kind of imposter syndrome mm. insecurity of i haven't built for seven years will i be good enough mm. but if you put enough time and resource in and you update people and you kill them with kindness and you try and provide a bloody phenomenal service, mm. people will be thrilled. But yeah, it's it it funny. So the first customer who ended up spending over six figures with us, mm. I put a post out on LinkedIn saying, I've just launched the business. Mm. Give me a call. Put my mobile number. And I was surprised that no, no one tried to call me mm. to sell me anything. But <laughs> yeah, 11 people popped up in my LinkedIn inbox saying we're a service so, so. provider or mm. whatever, we can, we can do your IT. No one called me, mm. yet an old contact called me and said, Callum, I've seen your post. I thought I'd give you a call. We're recruiting for a business development director. Can mm. I intro you to our to our sales director? And it, that that business ended up spending over over six figures. Saw, that's awesome, so that's awesome. That's
0: like the perfect story, and I'm talking about earlier not burning bridges, relationships. So let, let's just break down the service because I think this is this is something that has been key about how you've been able to to grow and how you're going to be able to continue to grow, right? And it's also at the center of your mission around the the customer experience. So. You tell me parts if I miss any of this. So in terms of like this service, how it's broken down, because I feel like not everyone has the same perception of what retained is. Some people just feel like uh, in order to initiate a search, then Uh, you know, I have to put down a deposit or it's just me paying for the commitment of time and then we start working together. But you've built out a proper process around this, which I think is really great. And I think is going to give you and your team a competitive advantage in the marketplace for sure. So if you don't mind breaking this down with us, so if me and you were to start working together in this way that you were talking about, so the Zest Way, this is our service, then at the beginning of that journey, we're going to have a job qualification, and that's going to be, I'm assuming, a fairly deep dive. We're going to go for everything. Yeah. Yeah, And then what you're telling me, I'll let you go through it, but what you're telling me then is you're going to get a short list of people, but you do that in a slightly different way. And then after that, you've also invested in some tools to give me as a hiring manager more science-based insights into what this person might be like. Yep. And then there's some other interview elements. But why don't you talk us through this? Because I feel like this is something that you've obviously thought about and is, is a really nice service that you've built, which is obviously delivering great results and not just customer experience, but actual results of actually making these placements as well.
1: Yeah, and I know no, so um we, as part of our process so mm. you're, you're absolutely right we'll of course take a job qualification but we'll do that in far more detail so we'll try and do that face to face we'll try and do that and meet a few of the team and I, and I guess in your example there if you were to start working with us we'd come down to your office mm. we'd get to know you in, in a good amount of detail we'd obviously make sure you were comfortable and summarise back exactly our understanding of the job from that point we'd ask for four to six questions that you typically ask at first stage interview mm-hmm. I'd always recommend them to be around your mission vision and values mm. but um, equally it could just be something that you always ask it could be a fun wacky question that you always ask so that Mm -hmm. you can see someone's personality the reason that we do that is we bring that into our video interview so we will do a 30-minute screening call with every candidate that we speak to and we'll do a really targeted search so kind of open passive and competitor market candidates Mm -hmm. within the first two weeks that will be mainly kind of in the background so we'll be doing that we'll be generating that long list of candidates and people that are interested in working for Hector or or Mm. whoever
0: and do you showcase that to the client sh- sh- I Showcase
1: that. So we, we do a 48-hour update, a first-week update, and then a middle-of-second week update with the goal to get the start of that shortlist, which is video interviews uploaded and ready for the client to see.
0: And then is the update just on a video? call we jump on? Is it anything visual that you show them? I, just... I,
1: I, I tend to do, at the end of the first week, I personally, for everyone's customers, will go on and do a video myself because mm. I want to know exactly where we are and mm-hmm. I want to deliver a... Audio Capture, mm. Loom, Vidyard, mm. whatever, whatever you're using, but to go over exactly the amount of people that we've reached out to, mm. exactly the amount of people we've spoken to, exactly the amount of people that are interested and any potential hurdles, obstacles that we mm. found in, in getting those candidates to
0: give them all that feedback. The, the
1: kind of virtual hiring table, which in this instance is the first stage video interview. During that video interview, we'll ask four to six questions that you've decided that you mm-hmm. want to ask. So we're assessing that candidate against your role and not just a generic sales, marketing or operations role. And especially within our kind of our candidate context, I guess, salespeople or marketing people, anyone commercial, their personality, how they carry themselves, how they come across to you is how they're going to come across or how they come across to us. Mm. is how they're going to come across to your customers, your internal teams, all incredibly important stuff. So mm. we package that up on our video shortlist mm. alongside their CV. From that point, we try to get five to eight people onto that shortlist. That's quite a good number, I feel that has enough variety, enables people to see a kind of wide barometer of the market, allows us to get a good amount of diversity onto that shortlist, but also then they move forward to a face-to-face. So I would
0: then, obviously, I'm assuming you were like, right, we've given you the shortlist, you are giving me everything that I need, and then I have a time window to review those. And then do I have to give feedback on each person? So
1: you, you give feedback on each person, and we need... And hence why the retained relationship is there. Mm. We need feedback on everyone and we mm-hmm. need some decent feedback on everyone. And I'll hold people to account to, to give mm. that because, again, if we it's, it's a customer experience, but it's also the candidate experience. Mm. So we want to make sure that we're getting as much feedback as we can from every candidate, whether they are successful or not successful. From that point, you will typically pick your best three or four to move forward to a face to face by that point, you kind of already feel like you know the people as well because mm. you've seen a good kind of five ten minute video of them answering questions that you would typically ask. Then finally, <laughs> after that second mm. interview, which so or final interview, mm. we run a cultural assessment. So we look Is at that after the so t- typically do that after the first oh, okay. interview. Reason being, we don't want to kind of bring in any bias at that stage Mm -hmm. however what we find is the cultural assessment which is effectively a tool which gives you and maybe we might get a few of your your sales team Mm -hmm. to fill out 50 questions which give you your kind of just general preferences but then it matches up the candidate who will do the same against their fit against the role Mm -hmm. so a good great or needs exploring fit against the role Mm -hmm. but also good great or needs exploring fit against your culture, and that's just a direct correlation between the candidates' results and your results. So
0: the candidate fills it out as well. Can-
1: candidate fills it out as well. All three or four candidates, mm-hmm. whoever you're bringing forward to second interview. Mm. And the reason we do it a second interview, don't want it to be that much of a bias in the first interview, but what it does, the report spits out questions that you it should is. ask in order to explore anything. So it's kind of like that rubber stamp type mm. questions or the the final little things that we need or we'd advise you to ask mm. to mitigate as much risk as we can as a team through mm. that hiring, hiring process to make sure you're ultimately hiring not only the best available candidate a candidate who's a match for your business as well
0: so for the client it's typically two stages then so you pretty much do the first stage for me i just have to invest the time in watching the videos and then giving feedback but then i'm just spending time with then yeah the like short short list of face to face and then there might be one or two people that don't make it to the second stage but then in between first and second stage i'm getting even more Uh, insight into, right, what are the things that I need to make sure I try and ask this person and understand that's going to give me more confidence that they're going to be a good fit.
1: We'll also do, and I don't know if other recruitment agencies do this, but not many from what our customers Mm. tell us, but we haven't got the biggest sample size. Mm. We'll give areas where even at first stage, the client should explore further as well, and maybe perhaps any reservations that the candidate might Mm. have, any reservations that we might have on the candidate, which Mm. again is alien. Like I Mm. I always think and and that's what's funny about using some sort of cultural assessment, because (laughs) it could come back mm. and say the candidate's a rubbish fit from a cultural perspective. Mm. But actually that's still good because we're always looking at the long-term the mm. long term goal. But I always found it funny when, especially junior recruiters come in, they present a candidate, which is typically just a CV that mm. they pop into someone's inbox and they say everyone's brilliant. But not everyone's brilliant. Like, <laughs> there, 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 there'll, be, there'll be areas where everyone's brilliant. Mm. I'm brilliant in some areas. I'm also terrible in others. Mm. So being able to give a very honest assessment Mm. Even if it's not in your best interest, and if your best interest is just get the fee, mm. it's really important to make sure you're you're presenting people. well I feel
0: like even but even more in the you'll know it better than me, but hiring salespeople, a lot of it typically isn't done on science based data types pieces, right? It's a lot of it is off like yeah, I think it's a lot of it's off intuition and you getting along with the person and those types of things. So I think I can imagine that being so helpful. Just trying, to try just trying to
1: strip that out as much mm. as you can. And also understanding in exactly the same way as in recruitment, a great recruiter somewhere might be a terrible recruitment somewhere mm. else through lack of kind of value alignment, whatever that mm. looks like. Exactly the same within sales. Mm. Someone might be a great salesperson within one business, but terrible with within mm. within another because perhaps the first business is more transactional, one's more consultative, whatever that looks like, or they just wouldn't get on with the team, uh, Mm. whatever that is. And actually, we would much prefer to mitigate that risk pre-hire than post-hire. It's all good and well getting someone through the door, and then after eight weeks or 12 weeks or six months, that candidate drops out. But that's not a a great experience Mm. for the customer or for the candidate. Mm. So actually, we'd much rather experience pain before a decision is made and make sure all our customers are thrilled making a hire, mm-hmm. rather than a bit of a shot in the dark.
0: Mm. And obviously, let's talk about the customer experience. Then, what's besides getting being more confident that Zess is going to be able to get me the outcome that I want, which is. The right person in the right seat because of this approach you're you've got a great track record now of yeah really high fill rates all those types of things but what is often the feedback you get from these customers saying around the actual experience what is it they value the most is it the video shortlist because it saves them loads of time like i know it might vary but what's often ended up being at the core of like cal and this service is great because We'll get back to the episode in just one minute, but today I'm excited to talk to you about one of our partners, Firefish, the recruitment CRM that accelerates data-driven growth. They've just released their 2024 recruitment agency report. Based on insights from over 200 agency leaders, the report offers unbelievable insights into forecasts for the year ahead, enabling you to refine your strategy based on data rather than intuition. Here are some of the stats I personally found interesting from the report. Although industry optimism has declined for the third year in a row, growth signals remain positive with 84% of agency leaders expecting year-on-year sales growth this year. 47% of agency leaders plan to use a contingency recruitment model in 2024, and 70% of agencies plan to use social sourcing as their main candidate attraction strategy in 2024. You can access your free copy of the report and start making data-driven decisions about your business by clicking the link in the show notes. And whilst you're there, if you wanted to check out how Firefish could help your business grow this year, they very kindly offered a unique offer to our community, the Recruitment Mentors podcast, that's gonna save you up to a thousand pounds, and this offer is only available until March the 31st. You can click the link in the episode description, and you can also head to firefishsoftware.com/rmp.
1: It's a really good question. I think the one word that sort of shoots to mind is feedback and feedback Mm. from both sides. Being able to be brave enough to share all feedback as quickly as possible, no matter how good, bad or ugly that feedback is and make sure that people are fully up to date. As as you say, like we've got 100% fill Mm. rate, we will find really good people, but lots of recruitment agencies can find really good people. Can they deliver it in a way that's exceptional, Mm. can they deliver it in a way that truly is putting service at the forefront and and not their best interest. Mm -hmm. So, Hisham, I'm going to introduce this candidate. Actually, I'm going to pull this person out because I've got a really bad reference rather than just Mm. waiting and and seeing how it goes. I don't think many recruitment agents or or consultants are are brave enough to do that. Mm. Whereas... We are very focused on the long, long-term nature of this business, long-term nature of relationships that we're we're building, and I'm very honest in saying, if someone offered me 50 million mm. for this <laughs> now, I, I wouldn't because because I want to see out this journey. I mm. genuinely want to change the perception of recruitment, and anyone on our, I, I'm so 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 fortunate with the team that we've got mm. that they share the same. The, yeah. I think the same vision and
0: the same what about then what about the often what about the common feedback you get from the on the candidate side like what is it that you often hear again if I'm a candidate I might work with and I'm actually getting in front of the companies that they talk to me about and I'm getting interviews like you delivered the outcomes but what's often the feedback on that side that again contributes to this customer experience that you often hear so, so
1: again feedback was kind of general to both right. but um, one thing I will say there is a lot of people's reservation around using some sort of video technology is time and it delays things. But you'd be surprised how much feedback we get that we're a true extension of our clients and how much value the video aspect brings. It's not a hindrance in a lot of senses. It's a way that a candidate can get their best self across, their best, most authentic selves across Mm. to the businesses that they want to be working with. And um, again, one joy in, in us not having a ridiculous amount of customers, and saying no to more customers than we say yes to, is we truly know our we truly know our customers, mm. and uh, from truly knowing your customers and getting a really good insight into them, and spending time getting to know your candidates it's much easier to get the match, perfect that kind of match. But a lot of it is around the feedback. Again, that plus 89 mm. NPS score is something that we're incredibly proud of. 77% of that is from candidates who didn't get a job. Really? So, that was
0: going to be my um, question, yeah. So 77, 77% of that NPS score is... And would you mind just in really brief terms explaining if you're happy to because not everyone might know I obviously we use that in our business, but not everyone is aware of what that is it from my understanding it literally is the sort of the best way or the most used way to measure customer experience, yeah, Promoter Score.
1: And and experience generally, it could be employee Mm. experience. Net Net Promoter promoter Score is effectively how likely you are to recommend Zest to a friend or Or colleague. colleague. And they will get a survey after being in a process through our business and they will get a survey that says how likely are you to recommend Zest Mm. to a friend or colleague. It will say a 1 to 10 score. A 9 or 10 will be a promoter. I think it's a 7 so a passive uh, passive and then so six of blowers, Amber, and then yeah so we do that as i say So 77% of the respondees for our NPS scores uh, are people MPS, that didn't get a job people who didn't get a job people who have been in a process who i got told they were a no who dropped out whatever that looks like and um Still, Again, that's that's something that's like, because yeah,
0: I think I had, I think I might mention it to you, but I had Abby Dunn on the podcast, who's also like really committed to his customer experience, which I absolutely love. And her sort of gripe with it with what she's seen, like outwardly of other companies was oftentimes you'll see people give that net promoter score option only once they're placed in the job. Right, and that's what I think, and she was saying, well, actually, well, the ones that I really care about and when we get low scores are the ones from people that didn't get the job, because that's, I feel like they're the experiences you really want to improve. Um, improve. So I love that stat on 77% of your net promoter score has been yeah given by people that didn't get a job, which is not the outcome that yeah. they wanted, right? Yeah. But because of the service that you built and your commitment to it, you're still delivering great experience. And why I think that's so overlooked. We've done a couple of training sessions on this and I'll always remember one. I don't know if you've got any stories like this, but we had a guy called Rich Howell who recruits an FMCG and he's really big on this. And he was saying one of his biggest clients came from someone that he didn't place. And he really focused on the experience of people that didn't get the job and making sure that's covered, right? So again, these are often people that get forgotten about or... It's just easier. It's it's more comfortable to not give them the bad news and do all the things that we've all done. But actually, they're some of the the can be some of your best promoters that end up in some of. Your best clients potentially
1: happens all the time. Happens all the time, yeah. especially like sales leadership. Give someone a good experience. The ch- there's so many people that get placed who have a terrible recruitment experience, or just yeah. don't don't <laughs> do don't, don't know who their recruiter was, don't know who what agency mm. represented them. It was a very transactional experience. And again, that's that's why it's adding value through the process. But I, I'm, I'm um, I, I completely agree. There's so many recruitment agencies who will only sort of survey people that they've given a positive outcome to. Mm. And actually, not only does that skew figures, mm. but it's it's not particularly useful because mm. while you're asking for feedback and I'll never not be grateful for our NPS score, but mm. in some ways, I'm hoping this year it's slightly lower because I want, to get, to, I, I want to get I want to get more feedback, feedback to improve. That, mm. That's that's why we're doing it, and it's mm. bloody brilliant that we deliver a, a phenomenal experience, and and that will always be the core of our business and what we what we endeavour mm. to do every single time. But um, we're doing it so so we can get feedback ultimately ultimately to improve. And we've already had three customers, three candidates this year, got a job for another recruiter, but gave us a review didn't even ask them to do this, but gave us the review and it said in the review, Callum or Aaron or Adam or Lizzie didn't place me, but they were far better than the agency that <laughs> did. And what a brilliant way yeah, that's great. to send to the company that person's joined. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Their new starter has said we're a better fit, or mm. we're a better we gave a better experience than the person that placed them. Mm. What a brilliant in and what a brilliant kind of bit of feedback to, mm. to receive.
0: Let me ask you this then with your commitments, and I think this is at the center of what we do. We've broken down your service, and this results in so many positive things right in terms of like we 're talking about your team. they know the roles that they work on, they place, they know the companies and customers they partner with companies that are a good fit and fit your icp and they know hopefully they're going to get the commitment that they need so this just benefits everything right it's just pretty mad that a lot of companies don't make this commitment but i think this is why i want to ask you this which is if you think about this second year you've really committed to this you are so close to everyone because it's a small team what are some of the things that you could be uh what's the word the analogy that I want to give is like there could be some things that happen that make Callum go, oh, yeah, could, we could earn some good money there and it makes you drop some of these standards. So like, yeah, What yeah. are the things that you have to resist? Do you know what I mean? What are some of the things that you know you're going to have to fight really hard to come back to this? Because that happens, right? Because I'm sure at this stage you're just so involved in everything, but what are some of those things that you know you're going to have to not be enticed by that could lead to getting away from this yeah
1: I think it's um and you mentioned money is the obvious one mm. so money or any sort of revenue or profit or whatever whatever that looks like however luckily mm. our biggest driver isn't money I'm a big believer that um if you're very true to what you do profit will always come and, and I've never not from an arrogant sense I've mm. never had to worry about money mm. um, through working or doing what I do mm. Because I've learned, and it's a learned behavior now. If I try and add zest or add value through every conversation, mm. the right things will come. So I think that maybe a, a different way to frame the question or answer the question is something that I'm very conscious of is making sure that every hire that we hire is truly valuable. Yeah, right. that's
0: probably one of the biggest it's, ways to keep I- hold
1: I- of it. Exactly. People have got to have the same beliefs as I will. And there'll be so many people that have been mm. on your podcast, listened to mm. your podcast, who have differing views at, for me sure. around, than me around. Money mm. or, or or whatever mm. whatever that looks like, we measure our success truly. Number one promise of that is the experience mm. that our customers and candidates have, and we will always be very true to that. and our belief is if we continue to live, deliver against that and to, to continue to deliver against our our model and what we do, Money everything, will take mon- everything will take care of itself. And it's quite hard to say as well, by the way, just quickly on that, the contingent side. So if someone came to me now and said, look, Callum, we can give you 500Ks worth of yeah. business that's contingent. There's elements of that, that would be tempting. But what I can't do to that business mm. is tell them what we'll deliver. Because mm. everything that we've done
0: mm.
1: is delivering against the model that we'll we'll, we'll, we'll deliver against the model that we'll operate. Mm. And I, I can't, and I'm certainly not going to start doing the same search for someone that doesn't pay a third up front because then that isn't fair to the customers that do Mm. partner with us and work with us the way they do so it's got to be consistent Mm. and I've got to know that whatever we're signing ourselves up for Mm. we're going to be able to deliver against because that is our key kind of barometer of success
0: yeah to be fair I think Yeah, you are probably right. The fundamental way to really protect that and really have that embedded in your business as you grow is going to be the people that you hire because you can probably very easily point at a client and say, this is why we should have said no to this client. So moving forward, if they have any of these characteristics, we need to make sure we say no, and this is why. That's probably a lot more easier rather than trying to convert someone that's in your business, convert their behaviors and mindset towards what good, a good experience looks yeah. like, right? So, yeah. yeah, I was just just curious. No, cause, it's, a good, it's,
1: a good, it's a good question. Yeah, because it's that, interesting, right? But yeah. I think
0: what we've also done, which I really rate, and again, this is the the really great thing about having your own business is you can – do these ideas that you've had, and you can take action on things that maybe you've always thought about. Could we try this? Could we do this better? But you also, again, I don't know how many companies do this, but you also, it's that important that you're also providing a financial incentive to your team on their NPS score as well. Yeah. So I want you to talk a bit about that because I don't think, you know, you'll hear commission on what you build on these things, but your team also are financially incentivized to deliver a great experience, which I think is really cool as well. A real quick one from me, and we'll get straight back into the conversation. Some of you may or may not be aware that I am also the founder of a business called Hector. Hector is an all-in-one training platform for recruitment founders to maximize team performance. The reason why I'm sharing this with you is because if you are someone that is enjoying this podcast week after week, you might even share this podcast with your colleagues, then I'd love to connect with you. Our training platform is powered by top performers delivering practical training for today's market. We believe training a lot of the time in the recruitment industry is dated, is stale, is delivered by people that did it 5, 10, 15 years ago, and we are completely going against that. So a lot of the people that you're able to learn on this podcast, you're able to learn even more from at Hector. So if you'd love to, you know, find out more about how we could potentially help you get more out of your people, ramp up their performance more quickly, then please connect with me on LinkedIn or click the link in the show notes where you'll be able to book a call with us. Let's get straight back into the episode.
1: Yeah, no, no, I appreciate you bringing that up. And it's um, it's something I want to stress as well, that we still need to incentivize consultants and our teams based off delivering and numbers yeah, as, as, as well because that you can deliver a phenomenal experience and place that no one and <laughs> ultimately you won't have a job in recruitment for very long but you're absolutely right so we pay monthly based off of an individual's mm-hmm. billings in a, a very similar way to any other recruitment agency will do but then quarterly we pay a extra kicker mm. based off of delivering phenomenal experiences and mm. that is delivering a certain number of Promoters within that period, so within mm-hmm. a three-month period, I think period. you put fifteen, over yeah, so, fifteen so, promoters, so, 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 and we, we've set it at the moment as a, as a really manageable. And we've, uh, I think, a few of the guys have got over fifteen, and what, it's the twelfth mm. of Jan or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's an incredibly manageable, manageable number, and we give five percent of their quarterly number as a bonus in addition that's to for their that commission. That, yeah, that's so awesome. that So typically for a senior consultant, that will be over ten grand a year mm. just for delivering phenomenal experiences.
0: Yeah, that's some am on that.
1: Well, it's uh, it's uh, again. It's that's a, a great saying, initiative
0: to have. That's the cool thing about having your own business that you can do these things. Yeah,
1: but also, if we're, if we're going to drive the right behaviours, if we're going to change the perception of recruitment and truly do that, we need to incentivize it. Yeah, we, it has we, to be
0: that. Yeah, the game has to be incentivized in that way. Exactly. Right?
1: Exactly. And um, yeah, no, it's worked really well so far, and it you can tell from the results that we've that we've had, and how passionate each and every one within the Zest team are at the end of a week, mm. looking back and just having such lovely bits of feedback come through, mm-hmm. it's the same kick that you get from doing a mm. deal. It's uh, it's phenomenal. And then
0: we've spoken a lot about how the benefit commercially to your business, the fill rates, the the experience you're giving to candidates, clients, and how this can actually help your business grow just like commercially – But how have you found as you have started to grow this business, like how when you've spoken about this approach, like how have you found it impact actually your ability to hire people or attract people? Because I think that's always going to be one of your challenges. Like everyone is aware of, particularly a recruitment agency in London. It's just so competitive. But have you also found that when you do get in front of the right person from an internal hire standpoint, this is something that also gives you competitive advantage in that conversation.
1: Gives us competitive advantage to the right person. Yeah, there's a lot of recruiters that I wouldn't hire. That. Exactly the same mm. to the way that we'll say no to a lot of mm. a lot of business. We'll say no to a lot of recruiters and a, a lot of really successful recruiters mm. and actually rec- recruiters that I always respect a lot. They're just not right for us. Mm. So. It's understanding what good looks like to our business. Mm -hmm. And it's um, making sure that we're shouting about that enough. We're incentivizing the right thing. We're driving the right behaviors, driving the right activities. And absolutely. And again, I think we're we're all quite lucky. And we've we've tried to to really have always been a big advocate of the kind of personal brand and making sure we're sharing on LinkedIn. But I put out a video, both times I've I've put out a video saying we're hiring and Mm. we've got quite an unusual benefits package. But we've been flooded with the... flooded with applicants mm. and, and really experienced applicants.
0: How do you test people's <laughs> commitment to that experience? It's quite easy
1: to see. Um <laughs> I I think and there'll be lots of people that say they okay. deliver a great experience, but someone someone like Lizzie, for example, mm. who is bloody brilliant, mm. who joined in November, that's the thing that she was proud of. The the testimony that she had from her previous customers. Mm and that to me is just like a, a an absolute ding 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 kind mm. of gold gold mine of a of a of a zest employee someone mm. who puts customer experience over everything equally as well they they have to have the capability they have to be good at the job yeah, of course. um but you can see and that's that's mm. the best thing about experience that's the best thing about tracking feedback and mm. even if someone doesn't have a like a, a formal feedback tracking system Mm. in place, which a lot of recruitment agencies won't. Mm. There's a whole host of things around like LinkedIn recommendations, Mm. emails that people will save and and kind of hold close to their heart from someone just saying, look, Callum did a phenomenal job. Lizzie did a phenomenal job Mm. for this, that, and the other reason. And we've been really, there's only five of us so far. We're we're gonna grow Mm. far more aggressively this year. But every time that we've posted about hiring, I know it's very competitive but we've had quite a lot of people. <laughs> is that is job. that
0: one of the, because that was one of my questions. I feel like for quite a while now, you've done, I feel like a good job of building your own brand and that, then you really see that come into fruition when you start your own business because it's like, wow, I can you know do this activity online and I can see the direct benefit. Like, when you first started and then you got your first client, right? It just feels a bit different compared to when you're an employee, I feel like, do you know what I mean? Like you literally see the direct impact of you sharing something, building your brand, and then it impacts in your business. But is that one of the big impacts you found it to have in terms of building your brand because you have done you guys have invested a lot in your marketing on the marketing side as well
1: yeah no i I think it's um there's two things there there's two sides of that question there's number one for me Mm. i'm not wearing anyone else's cape i'm not wearing Mm. anyone i'm not representing anyone else's brand i can truly be my authentic Mm -hmm. self which is one of our values be yourself always Mm. and you don't feel like oh maybe that won't align with Mm -hmm. what my company's doing or whatever and I'm so far from what I would define the stereotype of a a recruiter as well, but I I can truly and honestly be myself. And Mm. I think it stands out and the feedback that we get is that that kind of stands out in terms of the service, in terms of the added value, in terms of what we try and deliver to the market. The second side of that question is starting a business completely afresh, Mm. you can also make sure that you hire people who are value aligned mm. and who know exactly what they're coming into and don't feel like they're wearing a cape, mm. feel like they're truly representing a business that's an extension of themselves, feel like they're truly representing a business where they can be themselves and mm-hmm. authentically themselves every day. Mm. And they're so proud to shout about that. And then it's much easier to go on that kind of personal branding journey. As mm. someone like Adam, mm. who I've worked with for years and is phenomenal at the job. Mm. Never really posted, never really shared <laughs> never anything did. until this year. And now he posts more than me and he gets, he's got such a community of followers and, and mm. people that he didn't have before, but he's he's able to, and not necessarily he couldn't do that before, but, no, but It's completely by you, stripped yeah. back and it's completely authentic mm. to him and to Zest as as the brand and the culture kind of defines itself in mm. these early years as well. So there's kind of two sides to that, mm. but yeah, it feels kind of more free posting and it's certainly helped us build our brand and, and build our
0: following. So just curious then, how you think about, you said there you want to really continue to grow and scale. What's come to mind is, again, at the center of all of this is the customer experience. How do you think about when you're scaling? Like, is there... How do I say this? Not like, I don't use the word like ceiling or like things are capped, but I'd love to just hear your perspective of if you keep bringing in these recruiters that are aligned, they're experienced... Obviously, what's going to be really important is they deliver your service and, you know, stay true to that. But I feel like you tell me you might disagree, but I feel like if I'm someone joining your business, surely there must be a cap of the amount of customers that I can support in order for me to maintain those levels of service.
1: Yeah, I might they're... be
0: wrong there, but I don't know if you've thought about that. Like, so like if I join your business, do you think, you know, un- unless you start building a team around me and help me support that way, then in order for me to really maintain those levels, it's going to be hard for me to serve 15 customers on on my own, maybe. I don't know what the number is, but the good thing is that I am I know I'm getting paid on the jobs that I work and these things. So I don't know if you've thought about that. Do you feel like there's maybe a limit until you have to start building people around them that yeah, they can... Yeah, there
1: certainly will be, and I think it's really important. I certainly think until we're kind of... Ten plus, so certainly double digits. We can was been proven with the kind of interest that we've had that mm. we can hire experienced people, and ultimately they can develop their own relationships. And there's there's so many, there's so much opportunity within the market. There's mm. there's always there's plenty of business to go around. There's plenty of opportunity. But I I do, and my, my track record and, and why I feel in a really fortunate position to do this. We, we mm. the, the the guys who work with me today, three of them i hired into recruitment in their first job. Mm. So I if we have been on that kind of trainee journey mm. themselves we've I've I've led them through that experience. They've led plenty of trainees themselves through that experience so we can absolutely do that and there definitely is a kind of the the support and infrastructure that a really successful recruiter needs when they're delivering x amount of x number or with x amount of sort of customers mm. where they need additional human support, yeah, support yeah. and that'll be a really nice experience not only for the kind of senior members of our team to have that support and infrastructure mm. around them but also for people coming into our business when the brand and the, the identity and our customer experience and how we operate is so clearly defined and it's mm. not just me and now me plus four people mm. it's an army of people delivering this very clearly defined authentic mm. differentiated service and through osmosis, those people will eventually kind of grow into the senior recruiters of the future. And we've absolutely been on a journey before where we've we've trodden that path. That, so yeah. there'll be something long-term that we, we we need to be mindful of. But for the time being, there's plenty of opportunity. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How many customers do you reckon a perm recruiter could serve and work with, do a really good job on in 12 months? And what do you think they could bill, do you think?
1: It's a good question. I think... Um
0: there's a lot of variables, but I feel like there might be, you might have a bit of an idea of
1: to do it really well, and you you've got to look at it's probably best looking at roles and uh, rather than customers in some senses yeah, because fair. It's... Like how many roles could yeah so my goal is one placement a week, and I think in in a good market you can absolutely do that if yeah. the demand is there, and then that's six hundred k ish. Billings, which is a, a decent perm um, yeah, number,
0: sure. whilst maintaining all those customer experience levels. Yeah,
1: and and I, I think uh, it, you then have to you then have to do the the kind of the backward reverse engineering of like how many, but probably about ten customers, I would say, about yeah. ten customers that are properly qualified, mm. that are long term partners, that we can truly be impactful mm. within and stamp our mark within and be an extension of their business. I think someone
0: could do. That's exciting, that isn't it? Yeah, that's not a lot.
1: Yeah. That's another thing about recruitment. Is, uh, people, you think, is everyone's so focused on like activity and mm. onboarding 10 new customers a week mm. and doing... Actually, we've done over 500k. Mm. We've had 25 customers. <laughs> and of course, we'll do far more than that. And we'll grow and we'll develop more relationships and do more and be more impactful. But I know all 25. Mm. I've met all 25 multiple times this year. Mm. It's been a really enjoyable experience. We've genuinely impacted all of those businesses. All of those businesses will come back as soon Mm. as they're hiring. So cut that in half. One person can absolutely do that. that. And there's some big numbers to be made for the people that that do.
0: And that's why I think that's really exciting the way they've approached it. Just because, yeah, like you can be really high... I think that like what I really like about what you're doing is you're not... Like you're the way that you view it is you can be high performing and you can deliver an exceptional service. Do you know what I mean? I, I just really like thinking from that mindset of like, how can you do both? Do you know what I mean? How can you, yeah, how can you be really high performing and deliver an absolutely exceptional service? And I think that's just a really good way to look at how you can build this business because it can absolutely be both rather than, how can we just get people generate as much revenue as possible and okay, if we miss the mark a few times and we you know, burn a few bridges along the way then it doesn't really matter because we're really high performing but you're really trying to drive let's be as high performing as possible and let's have the customer experience at the centre of everything that we do and how can we do both?
1: It's a terrible term but it's work smarter not harder and mm. actually it's just something. I, I, the biggest thing that I, st- I, I still work harder than <laughs> n- n- nearly anyone but the, it's making sure that there's so much wasted time. There's so much busy fooling done in mm. recruitment where people take on all this contingent work, run around like a headless chicken. Yeah, I've got 10 roles to work. I've got 50 customers. Mm. No, you don't. Mm. Sit down, give me your pipeline mm. and I could break down which roles you'll actually fill. Mm. Focus your time on them and actually be brave enough to say to the other companies, this probably isn't for us, but it would be for us yeah. if this, that or the other reason. Yeah. And I think you can absolutely do both. I can absolutely prove that. And the way I would view a Zest, myself, someone someone would beat me in recruitment, give them six months and we do a six-month race. Give it two years, I think anyone with Zest would smash anyone Mm. out the park. Because we're genuinely going to be focused on how many people that business is going to hire over two years and how can we maximise the value that we can serve that customer with Mm. over that period so that they don't want to go anywhere else and there's no need for them to go anywhere else.
0: Yeah, I love that. And that's why I think, yeah, like I really respect the journey you've been on because I feel like you're even just listening back to our conversation three years ago like all of this is was ringing true for you then and now you're in an environment where you're building this business around all these things that you've cared about for a long time and I just really love how much you're championing this message of like we're just talking about doing absolutely you can to build a world-class experience whilst you're doing that changing and really moving the needle on changing the perception of our industry and whilst you're doing all these great things you can also be really high performing and absolutely why can't you build a recruitment business around those values and principles and be really high performing and offer a great environment for recruiters to excel and advance their career without maybe sometimes going home and being like, not sure I uh, delivered a good service today. Do you yeah, know what I mean?
1: and I think um, I think what can often be overlooked, and as I said at the start of the conversation, our vision is to radically change the perception of how our recruitment agency serves its people, customers and communities, mm. and people is first. Mm. So our team will always come first. And I think that is not only my focus, but everyone's focus. We'll deliver a phenomenal experience to our candidates and customers mm. But it's making sure we deliver phenomenal experiences to people internally as well. And kind of our ethos, our benefits package, how, how we look to incentivize people as we've kind of touched upon there or earlier. I think that's incredibly important. And I, I think I said to you the other <laughs> way, I was interested that a lot of people I know went to interview at lots of different recruitment companies and still came back to me wanting to work for us. Mm. And I was interested in that. Mm. I was thinking, why is there no one where people is just really interested, really wanting Mm. to work for that business? So I I think I want to be the Willy Wonka of the (laughs) food. I want to create a business that is truly the best place to work, the best Mm. place. And and that isn't just by paying people more. No. That's by, number one, the human side, Mm -hmm. being on that journey, growing lots of people's careers, development plans. But then giving them the internal benefits and support they need, infrastructure, tools, everything they need to, to thrive. And then also, from an external perspective, we give 750 quid a year mm. for people to travel, mm. well being allowance, private medical well being days. We gave five figures this year to charity or last year to charity and to have a couple of volunteering days. Like they're just just truly mm. be the best place to work mm. in recruitment where someone can actually see a long-term career path within this industry is really important to me. So that's where the experience side is as
0: well. Well, look, let's, let's see uh, where this, uh, if, if Karen can become the Woody Wonka recruitment, let's see if he can.
1: It's a big claim and a, a random uh, and, and silly claim.
0: <laughs> no, I love it. But no, look, honestly, it kind of really mean it when I say, yeah, kudos to you on what you're building. And I just really, just, yeah, really like this framing of, I had Andrew on the other day, Andrew Sillerton, he he spoke about this and it is about you know you can have people really engaged and high performing and that's what i really like about what you're saying everything you're talking about it isn't just all in that direction of great place to work paid really well all these types of things it's also but you're also in an environment where you're going to be pushed out of your comfort zone you're going to be performing as well, best as you can and the standards are going to be really high so it's about yeah pushing the boundaries of both of those being really engaged and high performing and i think that's exactly what you're yeah. doing Add some zest. Right, i'm, I'm excited to see where we end up in another been, year I'm two glad, years i'm
1: glad it's. Uh, So it's interesting you say that and I'll just leave with one Mm. final thing in regards to, I don't know if people kind of football fans, but that's how I view putting a team together. And you see Mm. all these teams who just spend all this money on the best players, Mm. but there's no identity Mm. there. They don't know who they're joining, like a Man United, which has just got so many players but there's no identity to the business and that's how I view putting a team together and I think it's really important to understand that you can be incredibly high performing but also deliver a phenomenal experience and, and for sports is a great example of how I view that kind of team team analogy. the everyone fighting for their position every year but yeah. everyone being truly the best placed person within that team rather than it kind of being just somewhere where yeah someone comes works and that's fine there's got to be the capability there's got to be the high standards yeah. there and you can absolutely deliver a phenomenal experience and have both. Get paid very well and have a long term career in recruitment where you earn well over six figures mm. and bloody enjoy what you do and feel really impactful in what mm. you do. And that's our goal.
0: Love it. kind thanks for joining on the pod. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope there were plenty of golden nuggets for you to take away. As you'll know, I'm your host here of the Recruitment Mentors podcast, but I'm also the founder of Recruitment Mentors. We're a online subscription-based learning and education platform. We're on a mission to help thousands of recruiters achieve their professional goals and successfully progress their careers through modern and engaging online learning. if you're a recruitment business owner listening to this, there's a good chance that you value self-development, personal development. You're trying to develop a culture of continuous improvement. But we've partnered with a number of grown recruitment companies who were struggling to understand how they can invest more in their people, how they can upskill them more quickly without spending more time, without having to spend thousands of pounds of external trainers. And we've ended up being a really great fit